Welcome to Coffee Date with Purpose. I'm your host, Wendy Payne, and today is Sunday service called Unlikely Turn of Events. It's the story of Esther today. I pray that you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged. The wonderful, the fantastic, <laughs> okay. the That's courageous, I'm just trying to get a pay raise. Sorry, ask Wendy, go ahead. Trying to get a raise? Is that what you said? You're trying to get a raise? Hey, I don't make that decision. <laughs> You're puffing up the wrong person. <laughs> Thank you, worship team. Um, I, I just, I love that last song. The words uh, just fit so well with uh, my sermon today and just made me think about um, how it says, I am anointed. I am, what were the words? I am anointed, I am, I had them, I am, I am blessed, powerful, I am called. All of these things go right along with my sermon today, and I'm super excited. We're going to talk today, um, in a moment, an unlikely turn of events, and we're going to talk about the unlikely being used for God's glory. And, and only because of Jesus are we called. Only because of Jesus are we anointed. Only because of Jesus are we powerful. Are we able to do, accomplish anything only because of Jesus. Before I start this morning, just to remind you, if you're just tuning in late, we are going to take um, communion this morning. So you might want to prepare some emblems. And today is also, um, along with Communion Sunday, is Mission Sunday. And we got the update from Pam. Thank you so much, Pam, for that um, update on what is happening with all the missionaries that we are supporting and pastors that we are supporting. It's so exciting to hear um, that things are going well and we need to pray diligently for their requests. But we also like to take up a special offering in this week that will help to kind of go over and above what we normally give them as a mission offering. So we want to bless them above and beyond what we as a church give them once a month. So if you are able to help support that in any way when you give your offering this week, just mark on your, on your however you're doing it with an e-transfer or however you are doing it, just mark on there whatever amount you would like to go towards our missionaries. That just is an extra over and above blessing to them. And trust me, they are blessed. When they get that extra little bit of money, I've heard from all of them, and they just, they're so thankful for that. I want to remind everyone, I know Kyla sent it out on the Friday email, but um, the Rickford funeral, Joel, is going to be happening on Monday at one o'clock and it is a private ceremony just for the family obviously because of covid restrictions but if you would like to watch the funeral service you can go on to budgel's facebook page you need to like the page and go on there at about one o'clock and you'll be able to see uh, the service on Budgel's Facebook page. So we're just going to take a second to pray um, again for the, for the Rickford family, and then we'll get into the word this morning. Dear Lord, we just pray again this morning for the Rickford family as they're preparing for the funeral of their son and brother, Joel. Lord God, you know what that family is going through, the pain and the heartache. And Lord, we sometimes question why, but we will just rest in your arms and knowing that you have a plan and a purpose, we may not understand it, 
but we do pray for peace for the family, Father, that you would just be round about them. Lord God, just cover them right now with your love. We are so thankful for the family, the church family that has just surrounded around them, friends who have surrounded around them just to help them and support them in this time. God, but we just pray for an extra dose of blessing over them and comfort. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, today we are going to get into the Word of God. We're going to do kind of a little mini-series, if I can call it. I don't know, maybe two or three weeks. We're going to park in the book of Esther. So, um, again, as I said, unlikely turn of events is going to be the sermon series title. This is part one, and I love the story of Esther. It's got so many interesting little kind of like, I don't know, trails that we can go on just to find so many cool things about it. And Esther is a very interesting book because it doesn't actually talk about God outright, um, but you can definitely see God in and through that whole book. So it is an amazing book to read. I encourage you to take time to read through the whole thing in the next couple of weeks as we go through this. But we're going to go to Esther chapter 2 if you want to go there. And um, I'm just going to give a little prelude to it before we actually go there. But if you've got your Bibles, you can kind of just stick your finger in Esther chapter 2 for a second. So unlikely turn of events. When I think about the story of Esther and when I think about how her story is really an unlikely turn of events, I think about my own life and I wonder if you think about the same thing as you're watching this morning. Have you ever looked at your life and thought, had it not been for the grace of God, where would I be today? What about who invited you for the very first time to church? Who's the first person that told you about Jesus Christ? Who is the person who kind of like came alongside you, led you and guided you? How did you find out about Christ? What an unlikely turn of events when our life is going down one path and God intervenes and brings us down to a path that is his plan and his direction. And so as I was preparing for this message, I can't help again but think, and I know I've talked about this probably a few times, um, but I think about myself as being a hairstylist. When I graduated from high school, I had no idea what I was gonna do. I thought I wanted to be a teacher, and I realized that I had to take all these extra courses because I kind of just like grazed through high school just to get out. And then when I finally realized I need to get a life, um, I went and found out that I had to take all these extra courses. It was going to take what seemed like an eternity at the time when you're 19 years old, going back to school for a year or two, just to upgrade seemed like an eternity. So doing a teacher thing was not going to happen. So I went off and traveled for a half a year to kind of try to figure out what I was going to do. And in the meantime, my mom, who was a hairstylist, opened up a salon and was super busy and said, hey, I need to hire somebody. Do you want to learn how to do hair? And I was like, sure, that's what I'll do. That's what I'll do with my life. So I became a hairstylist. That was the plan that I had set out for my life was to be a hairstylist. But who knew an unlikely turn of events that this hairstylist would then eventually turn around in another direction by God's leading and God's plan, end up going to Bible college and becoming a pastor. 
It's hilarious when we talk to people, friends and, you know, different people that maybe we haven't seen for a extremely a lot of time. So, you know, on Facebook, you find friends that you maybe went to school with or high school with and you reconnect and they're like, so, hey, what are you doing with your life? And I tell them I'm a pastor. They look at me like I have six heads. Like it just, this was not on my radar at all. But it was an unlikely turn of events that I am here today, standing behind a pulpit, preaching God's word. I say that because when I think about in school, when we had to do public speaking of any sort, when we had to do speeches or, or anything like that, I was a nervous wreck. I could not stand in front of people without hyperventilating. It was ridiculous. It was embarrassing. It was horrible. And if somebody was to come to me back then and say, someday you are going to be speaking in front of people on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, I would have told them they are out of their minds. There is no way that I would ever have the confidence to be able to stand behind a pulpit in front of people without hyperventilating. Not going to happen. But because of God's grace and God's plan, he made it so. He turned things around, gave me, equipped me with what I needed to be able to accomplish his goals and his plans. What has God done in your life that is an unlikely turn of events? What has God done to take you from going down this path to change and going down another path that brings glory to him. Just like the song that we sing, I'm anointed, I'm called, I'm powerful because of Jesus' name. What has turned you into that person that gives God glory and praise and honor because he has come into your life and made those changes? An unlikely turn of events. That's what happened with Esther. We're going to take a look at Esther and we're going to figure out who is this girl that has an actual book in the Bible after her name. Imagine, I'm sure there was never, ever, ever in the beginning days for Esther an idea that her name would be in God's book. But God had a plan. God had a plan to make Esther be someone that thousands and thousands of years later, we can read her story and learn from it and be encouraged by it. So we're going to go to Esther chapter 2, and we are going to read verse 5 to 7. And we're going to find out a little bit about who this girl Esther is. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, named Mordecai, son of Jer, son of Shimei, son of Kish, who had carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehokim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she neither had a father nor a mother. This woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother had died. So what do we find out about Esther in this little chunk of scripture? First of all, we find out that her cousin Mordecai was, 
was brought to this area through exile. So her plan, the plan of Esther, already started back then. Mordecai was brought to this little town called Susa. Esther grew up in a small little community. A small little community named Susa, probably a farming community. Nobody would ever think anything important about coming out of that little tiny area. She was a Jewish girl, probably not very well off, probably maybe a farmer, maybe, um, you know, poor, a poor young girl. She came from the tribe of Benjamin, which was known to be one of the smallest tribes of the tribes of Judah. And she was an orphan. Her, both her parents died and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. This certainly doesn't sound like somebody who's very important. Doesn't sound like somebody who has a lot of, you know, whatever in the community where people would be like, oh, there's Esther. She wasn't that. She was just this regular everyday person. She was like you and me. She was just somebody who was just ordinary. There was nothing special that kind of screamed out about Esther. She was just like you and me. And here, where we pick up the story, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase a little bit for time. But there's this king named Xerxes, and he had a wife named Vashi. And he decided one day, kind of make a long story short, that she was no longer going to be his wife. And so King Xerxes starts looking for a new wife. And he had a great, phenomenal, what he thought was a great idea, was they were gonna, he was gonna get the people in his kingdom to go out and, and go to all the different communities around the area and bring in all these young girls, 400 of them, so that he could choose who his next wife would be. And of course, Esther was brought in amongst these 400 girls. They were brought in. They had a year of what sounds like heaven, but I don't know if I would actually consider it to be, considering the circumstances. But they were brought in for about a year of spa treatments before they actually had a moment to be able to meet the king. As the story goes on, we're going to soon find out that Esther ends up becoming chosen as queen. But I want us to think about for a moment, before we get to that point, I want you to think about how does this small town girl, a young, poor Jewish girl who is an orphan, who has no great significance, wins the heart of a king and ends up becoming one of the most powerful women in this very powerful empire. Let's jump ahead just for a second to verse 17 in chapter 2. It says, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Queen Vashti. What we need to remember is God had a plan. And when God has a plan, nothing will come in the way of that plan. God had a plan for Esther even before she was even thought of. 
God had a plan when Esther was a young girl. God had a plan to put her into such a situation that she was going to eventually become the most powerful woman in this, in this kingdom. But his plan was to save the Jewish nation. He was going to do that through this young, insignificant girl. He was going to turn her into somebody so powerful that, they, that she would have the, the, the passageway to be able to save all the Jewish people. Esther wouldn't have any idea in the beginning days that this was God's plan. When she was growing up and had Mordecai basically acting like her father and her mother, she would have no idea that this is God's plan. She didn't grow up and people would say to her, do you know what? Someday you're going to be a queen. Someday God's going to use you powerfully and mightily to be able to save your whole Jewish nation. She had no idea. Mordecai had no idea that this was going to happen. They would just go along their day, every day, just working whatever they were doing, maybe farming, whatever they were doing. They're just going about, toiling about their day, having no clue that this was the part of God's plan. What's God's plan for your life? When you look at your own life, do you ever imagine where you are now? Did you ever, ever imagine that God would do in your life what he is doing? What about what is God still going to do in your life? What are plans and purposes that God still has to do for your life? Are you ready and willing and able and wanting to be used by God in whatever way he says? Again, if somebody would have told me that I was going to be a pastor, I would have told them they were crazy. I would have probably run in the other direction because that just sounds too scary. And I got to be honest, there's times where I forget that I'm a pastor because I have those moments where I might maybe say stuff or do stuff or be a little goofy where I've had people go, are you sure you're a pastor? But God had a plan. It wasn't something that I set out for, but it was something when God presented it and started to equip me to be able to do what I got to do that he gave me and opened up doors for me to make it happen. Esther never had the plan. It wasn't her thought. It wasn't her, she didn't like will her way into it. She didn't work towards it. She had no idea this was going to happen. But God had a plan. Let's turn to Esther 4. We're going to jump ahead. Esther 4, 14b. This is right around the time where Esther is presented with the idea. She's now queen. We're jumping a little bit ahead of the story here, but she's now queen. And she's presented with the idea that she is going to be saving her whole Jewish nation. And, her, and Mordecai says to her, And who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. I read that to you because we don't know what God's plan is. Esther didn't know that that was the plan for her life. And Mordecai says to her, who knows, maybe you were brought to this position, to this high place of being queen for such a time as this. 
What is the time in your life that God has got a plan for you? Who are you going to speak into somebody's life and encourage them to find out who Jesus Christ is? Who are you going to be able to pray over for such a time as this? Who are you be able to minister to for such a time as this? Okay, how did this all happen? How did this lowly little Jewish girl become queen over an empire? Let's go back to Esther 2. And we're going to read verse 13. All the girls are brought in. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase a little bit. All the girls are brought in. They're given beauty treatments. And they're, they're, they're told that when they come in, it says, and this is how she would go to the king. Anything that, for all the girls, anything she wanted, she was given to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. So all of the girls, the 400 girls were brought in. They had a year of spa treatments taken care of. And then they were given the opportunity for one night with the king. They were told, you can bring anything that you want. It says anything she wanted was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. So anything that any of the girls wanted to bring with them on their one night with the king, they were able to keep. That was theirs to keep. Now it's very important that we listen exactly to what it says. It says anything that she wanted, she was able to bring in to the king's palace. But Esther was different. Let's look at verse 15. When the term came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abelhai, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. I'm actually going to read verse 16. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, the month of Tibet, and in the 17th month of his reign. So she was brought to the king for her one night. And it's very important to notice where it says, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. Every one of the girls were told, you can bring in whatever you want. So all the young girls who had gone before her, we don't know what order Esther went in. I'm assuming there was probably a number of girls who went before her. Every single one of those girls, when they planned to go meet with the king, they brought what they wanted to bring. So they would have went dressed in the colors that they liked. They would have went dressed with their hair done in a way that they would like. They would have went with, you know, whatever styles, whatever jewelry, whatever perfume that they liked. But the difference that we notice with Esther is she, before she met the king, is she went to the one who knew the king best. She found out exactly what the king likes. What would make the king happy? And she did only what was suggested by the one who knew him best. So she would have went into the king's presence knowing exactly what makes the king happy. And because of that, she won the favor of the king. 
Verse 17, again, it says, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the women, and she won the favor and approval. She was the one who was granted to be queen. She won the heart of the king. Imagine if we did just that, but to our father. Imagine if we went to the one who knows our God the Father the best. Imagine if we went to him and said, what do I need to do with my life that I can please my king the best? What makes the king the most happiest? What makes our God, the king, the most happiest? What, is the, what would be the things that will please him the best? That was Esther's mindset, and that is how she won the favor of the king. How can we win the favor of our God, our king? By going and doing exactly what pleases him. By going to Jesus to find out, what makes my king happy? How should my life be? What should it look like? So that when I come into the throne room of the king, that he will be honored and blessed and find favor in me. That he will honor us accordingly. I'm going to turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. And we're going to read right through to 13. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me and when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found, declares the Lord. This morning we're talking about an unlikely turn of events. It was unlikely that this young girl, Esther, would come to be the most powerful woman in this kingdom but because she put what she wanted aside. Remember, all the other ones were rejected because they went in with what they wanted. She went in with what would please her king. For us, an unlikely turn of events. We can go from being a hairstylist to a pastor. We can go from being walking down a road that is ungodly, that is taking us down a horrible, horrible path to being someone who honors Christ in every way, every shape, every form of our lives. Someone who can have a testimony on their lips of the goodness of God and be able to share that to other people. And how does it happen? It happens by us finding out from Jesus what pleases my Father and what can I do to make the best um, impression upon him by doing what pleases him. How can I find favor with the king and how can my life represent best so that when I go in, I will receive a crown from him? Jeremiah 29 11 tells us that God has plans for us. He has plans for each and every one of us, even though it doesn't matter what your past looked like. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what vocation you have. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what tribe you come from. It doesn't matter any of those things. When God has a plan, he will change that course. But are we willing to change with him? Are we willing to set our needs and our desires and our wants aside and go into the throne room, the presence of the king, 
in a manner that will please him most. God has plans for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us hope for a future. And when we call on him, when we pray to him, when we reach out to him and say, we want to please you, we want to do all that we can, he will listen to us. He will use us for his glory. And all of that is made possible because of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to take communion. And Jesus made it possible for us to be able to enter into the throne room of our King by him going to the cross for us. By him going and and taking the sin upon himself so that we can be forgiven from all the horrible, unrighteous things that we have done from the path that we were going down this way, and he will take us down the path and the plans that he has for us. We're going to take communion this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. And I'm going to jump ahead of the verse for a moment, verse 27, where it says, So then whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat and drink of the bread and the cup. I read that first because I want to encourage every single person watching right now that before you take communion, take time to examine your heart. You see, before we enter into the throne room of God, we need to go in a manner that is pleasing to him. We need to go and say, God, I set aside all the past, the the sin, the hurt, all the offense, all the stuff. I set that aside and I enter into the throne room. I examine myself because I don't want to come into your presence in an unworthy manner. So before we take communion, I encourage you to take a moment and examine your heart. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 23. It says, For I have received of the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to take this bread as an example of what Christ did for us. It's it's just a piece of bread, but it's a representation of Christ going to the cross for us. His broken body that he gave for us so that we can be able to enter into the throne room of our King. Let's partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we take communion, we are acknowledging that Christ is king, that his father is king, that we can go through Jesus to get to the king, that we can enter into his presence by the knowledge and knowing what he desires of us. 
Christ went to the cross for us so that we are able to enter into that throne room. Let's take the cup together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every time we do that, we are acknowledging that Christ is coming back for his bride. Every time we take communion, we are remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for us. The worship team is going to play. Jesus paid it all. I'm going to close in prayer this morning and allow the team to play. And as they are singing, I encourage you to think about Esther. What has God got for your life for such a time as this? Are you entering the throne room in such a manner that the king would be honored? Are you setting aside what you want and allowing God to use you? He has powerful plans for each and every one of you. Each and every one of you, he has plans. He wants to take the unlikely turn of events and use you for his glory. Will you allow him to do that today? Let's sing Jesus Paid It All. And as we sing this, let's remember the sacrifice that was made for us, that Christ made for us, so that we are able to enter into the throne room of our King. God, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the unlikely events for my life, for the people that are watching, for Esther's life, for every single person behind me, God, an unlikely turn of events that we are here today, that we are honoring you and glorifying your name. God, that you would take us from heading down one path into another path. We honor you today, God. We set aside our will, our desire, and we look to you. We want to come into your presence and honor you with everything that we have. Jesus, we bring to you a sacrifice of praise. We thank you that you paid it all so we can come into that place. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.